Good day to you. This is Friday, February 4, 2022. I am Pastor Neil Webus, and this is your daily scripture meditation. Uh, apologies for this one coming out a little bit later than normal. Uh, the reason it is out a little bit late is because um, basically when I was recording on Sunday, I got I wasn't feeling too well, like right in the middle of the recordings. And so I was not able to finish them up. And so I had to stop right in the middle of that third. I had to stop actually that Thursday recording. I ended up ended or ending early. Um, so for that reason, it's wasn't recorded. So today was the first chance I've really had a chance to get a recording out for the fourth. Um, I got a new microphone right here in the office and set up a little bit so I can uh, record right here in the church. But I don't record in the church a lot for the simple reason is there are distractions, the phone might go off or something like that and kind of disrupt the recording. Um, so we're going to jump into the reading for the day and I'm going to bring that up onto the screen for you. So we are going to be in Luke chapter 7. And I'm going to bring that up onto the screen for you. And so, so there you see it on the screen for you. And so let's get started here. Luke chapter 7, it says, After he, Jesus, had finished all his sayings and the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now i got to kind of stop for a moment because it's been a few days since I recorded this. So it's after he, he finished all his sayings. The question right away you have to say is, what say? So good practice is go backwards just to remind yourself as to what you read about. So... Uh, previously, he talked about why do you call me Lord, Lord, uh, building your house on the rock, the tree and its fruit. So this is where he just got done with and not quite the Sermon on the Mount, but a lot of similarities to it. He, so he just got done with this sort of sermon. Um, so that's what he's talking about. All right. So let's keep going. here. After he had finished all his sayings, the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. Notice something here. He says he is worthy. This is what the servants say. That, you know... Because of what he's done, because of his accomplishments, Jesus, you need to give him the time of day. Um, this is kind of something that sometimes happens in churches. Uh, where it's like, well, this person, they did this, and they did this in the church. And so they are worthy of greater honor. All right, so this is really not a good foot. But Jesus went with them. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under, set under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Notice this. This is really intriguing, because he said the servants, and the servants are thinking, our master is pretty awesome. He's, he's the deal. And Jesus is going to have to come and do this because of who our master is. And so, 
Jesus, um, so because of who his master is, they they feel like he's got, he's the real deal. And so what does Jesus do? So he, but he the thing is, he sends his servants not because of that. He sends his servants because he knows he's not worthy, and he says it straight to Jesus: "You are not. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof." And so it shows that the centurion has a very different mindset than what his servants do. But listen to the faith. He understands that Jesus has such authority, such power, that he could tell a disease to go away, and it obeys. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned to the crowd, turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. This is a theme in Luke, the, the um, elevation of the unlikely people of faith, figures of faith. And so the centurion, who is a Gentile, is the one that Jesus elevates as having such great faith. Soon afterward, he, Jesus, went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him as he drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. I was, back when I was in um, high school, I went to... Um, the Iowa District West National um, Youth the District Youth Gathering. It was down in Des Moines, and there is a pastor named Bill Yonker, and he's I think he's a pastor in uh, somewhere in the Chicago area. Well, he gave this wonderful story illustration to kind of really get you into the uh, mindset of what happened here. So he said, you know, he kind of asked the question: Imagine being there, because the way they did, they had a procession. Much like we do now. We have processionals of cars. They didn't have it then. They would walk a procession behind um, the the mother and the child and everything. And you could imagine the conversation. Imagine being in the very back of the line. And you're just sitting there like, oh, man, this is so rough, guys. I mean, could you imagine this? So tough for this mother. Uh, I mean, her son, her only son is dead. I mean, that's going to be so difficult. She's a widow. Who's going to care for her? Maybe we and the family, maybe we should raise some money to help her. We're going to have to have, as a community, help her out here. And, you know, and then and there's, oh, look, look, look. Hey, see that? There's Jesus over there. And him and his disciples. I heard he's a really nice guy. He does some, he's really compassionate. Oh, look at that. He's being nice to the mother, saying some words. Oh, my goodness. He just sat up. Could you imagine that? Being at the back of the line, you're expecting a funeral. And you don't have a funeral. 
Jesus ruined the funeral. That's what Jesus does sometimes. He ruins funerals by raising the child from the dead. So he says to him, young man, I say to you, arise. And so he arisen. And it's kind of foreshadowing that this was the only son of the widow. Jesus is the only son of God. And he will later himself arise. Guaranteeing that all of our funerals, well, they're going to be temporary. We're all going to one day rise from the dead on account of his power. And so, let's keep going here. Verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people and diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. I want to pause for a moment. There's discussion, there's debate about what is going on here. The question is, is did John begin to doubt? And our temptation a lot of times is to say, well, John, what a doubt? He's John. I mean, that's John the Baptist. He's the one that Jesus is going to later say that no amongst women, no greater man has been born than this guy. He wouldn't doubt. But think about where he's at. John is in prison. And make no mistake about it, John is a sinner. This is why in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus comes to be baptized by John, John's reaction is, you should be I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me because John understands it, that he is a sinner. All right? So John was a sinner. And so just like you are and me, he's a sinner. Even though he's the greatest of those born of women, he is still, under normal conditions, he is ultimately still a sinner. And so this man, he is in prison. Why is he in prison? Is he in prison because he preached the gospel? Because he declared that Jesus is the Christ? No, that's not why he's in, the, in prison. He's in prison because he preached against Herod's or relationship with Herodias. That's why he's in prison. So you could kind of understand why he might begin to doubt. Is he sending it for the sake of his disciples, for the sake of his students? Probably to some degree, to get them to follow Jesus as opposed to him. There might be truth to that. But I would argue that John himself is needing this reassurance as he is sitting in prison. And he's eventually going to die in prison. So this is, Jesus answered. So verse 22. Jesus answered them. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I want to. Again I'm going to pause for a moment. There's a reason he begins with a specific sign. The blind receive their sight. This is of significance. The dead are raised. You, you figured the dead being raised from the dead would be significant. And it is. Don't get me wrong. It really obviously is. But that was not the one that, that's not the clincher really. 
The reason it's not quite the clincher is because both Elisha and Elijah um, had raised people from the dead. In fact, what we just read about the widow from Nain when her son was raised, um, this was not that far from a resurrection in the Old Testament. But, so that's not the clincher. The clincher is that the blind receive their sight. The reason this is a clincher is because this is a miracle that is unique to the Christ. Nowhere in the Old Testament do you find examples of any prophet making a blind man to see. This is unique to the Christ. And this is why Jesus starts with that. That is him saying, letting, and he's making sure that John's followers, John's students, disciples, see this so they can bring back to John this definitive note. And John would hear that the blind received their sight, and he'd say, okay, yeah, this is the one. Verse 24. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, teachers of the law, I don't like, I don't like the translations lawyer because it sounds like modern day lawyers. It's kind of misleading. But anyways, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by Him. To what then shall we compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking and you say look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with, her, with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed him with the ointment. This is incredible humility. She's using what the only thing she has available to her to um, to care for Jesus. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. 
And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender with two debtors, one owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one I suppose for whom I cannot I cancel for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's the text. Um, this is a, one of those wonderful, just beautiful uh, I want to just note, I just got to make note, when it says Simon, he's talking to Simon. He's not talking to Simon Peter. He's talking to the Pharisee. Because that note is Simon's house. And whose house is it? The house of the Pharisee. But notice this. This is so, This is the theme also in Luke. Um, this came up in the, when Jesus, at the catching of the, the great catch, the miraculous catch in Peter fell on his knees, fell before Jesus and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. This woman, and this is why, that's why, that's also the hint you know it's not talking about Peter, because Peter already expressed humility similar to, not to the, probably not to the degree, but he definitely expressed humility similar to what this woman did. Um, Peter wasn't always on, didn't always have his act together. But this is not Peter who's the issue. But this Pharisee, he says to him, he says, he who is forgiven little loves little. Has this Pharisee had been forgiven little? Yes. Is it because he hasn't sinned much? No. It's because he doesn't believe he has sinned much. We're all sinners. So the woman appears to be a great sinner, but she's, she's not. I mean, she is. But so is the Pharisee, so is Simon, so are you, so, are, so am I. But see, so often we feel like we have, haven't sinned as much as that other person. Because our sins aren't as public, our sins aren't as obvious. And so, sometimes we love little. Because we don't realize the amount of grace we have received. Might it's maybe the reason why some of the boldest missionaries and boldest witnesses of the gospel are those who are those who have escaped from obvious sinful lives. Pray that we would have humility of this woman, recognize the greatness of the forgiveness and grace we've received, and we 
would receive sinners as Jesus has us. So let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Blessings on your day. In Jesus' name.